0: You are listening to the Auditory Entertainment's production of Creatures of the Light by Sophie Wenzel Ellis, performed by Miranda Johnson. Part three. Northwood gazed covertly at the beautiful girl approaching them. She was tall, slender, and she held her lovely body in the erect poise of splendid health. Northwood had a confused realization of uncovered, bronzy hair drawn to the back of her neck in a bunch of short curls, of immense, soft black eyes, lips the color of blood, and delicate, plump flesh on which the golden skylight lingered graciously. He was instantly glad to see that while she possessed the freshness of young girlhood, her skin and eyes did not have the horrible newness of Adams. When she was still 20 feet distant, Northwood met her eyes, and she smiled shyly. The rich red blood ran through her face, and he, too, flushed. She went to Dr. Mudson, and placing her hands on his thick shoulders, kissed him affectionately. I've been worried about you, Daddy Mudson. Her rich contralto voice matched her exotic beauty. Since you and Adam had that quarrel the day you left, I did not see him until this morning, when he landed the sunship, alone. And you pleaded with him to return for us? Yes. Her eyes drooped and a hot flush swept over her face. Dr. Munson smiled. But I'm back now, Athelia and I've brought someone whom I hope you will be glad to know. Reaching for her hand, he placed it simply in Northwoods. This is John, Athalia. Isn't he handsomer than the pictures of him which I sent to you? He walked ahead and turned his back. A magical half-hour followed for Northwood and Athalia. The girl told him of her past life, how Dr. Mudson had discovered her one year ago, working in a New York sweatshop, half-dead from consumption. Without friends, she was eager to follow the scientist to New Eden where he promised she would recover her health immediately. And he was right, John, she said shyly. The life ray, that marvelous energy ray which penetrates to the utmost depths of the earth and the ocean, giving to the cells of all living bodies the power to grow and remain animate, has been concentrated by Dr. Mudson in his stored sunshine. The life ray healed me, Almost immediately, Northwood looked down at the glorious girl beside him, whose eyes already fluttered away from his like shy black butterflies. Suddenly, he squeezed the soft hand in his and said passionately, Athalia, because Adam wants you and will get you if he can, let us set aside all the artificialities of civilization. I have loved you madly ever since I saw your picture. If you can say the same to me, it will give me the courage to face what I know lies before me." Athalia, her face suddenly tender, came close to him. John Northwood, I love you. Her red lips came temptingly close, but before he could touch them, Adam suddenly pushed his body between him and Athalia. Adam was pale, and all the iciness was gone from his blue eyes, which were deep and dark and very human. He looked down at Athalia, and she looked up at him. Fast work, Athalia! The new vibrant voice was strained. I was hoping you would be disappointed in him, especially after having been wooed by me this morning. I could take you if I wished, of course. But I prefer to win you in the ancient manner. Dismiss him. He jerked his thumb over his shoulder in Northwood's direction. Athalia flushed vividly and looked at him almost compassionately. I am not great enough for you, Adam. I dare not love you. Adam laughed and still oblivious of Northwood and Dr. Mudson, folded his arms over his breast. Since the beginning of time, gods and archangels have looked upon the daughters of men and found them fair. Mate with me, Athelia, and I, 50,000 years beyond the creature Mudson has selected for you, will make you as I am, the deathless overlord of life And all nature. He drew her hand to his bosom. For one dark moment Northwood felt himself seared by jealousy, for through the plump, sweet flesh of Athalia's face he saw the red blood leap again. How could she withhold herself from this splendid Superman? But her answer, given with a faltering voice, was the old simple one I have promised him, Adam. I love him! Tears trembled on her thick lashes. So, I cannot get you in the ancient manner. Now I'll use my own. He seized her in his arms, crushed her against him, and, laughing over her head at Northwood, bent his glistening head and kissed her on the mouth. There was a blinding flash of blue electric sparks, and nothing else. Both Adam and Athalia had vanished. Adam's voice came in a last mocking challenge. I shall be what no other gods before me have been. A good sport. I'll leave you both to your own devices. Until I want you again. White-lipped and trembling, Northwood groaned. What has he done now? Dr. Mudson's great head drooped. I don't know... "'Our bodies are electric and chemical machines, "'and a superintelligence has discovered new laws of which you and I are ignorant. "'But Athalia, she is safe. "'He loves her.' "'Loves her?' Northwood shivered. "'I cannot believe those freezing eyes could ever look with love upon a woman.' "'Adam is a man.' At heart, he is as human as the first man-creature that wallowed in the Earth's new slime. His voice dropped as though he were musing aloud. It might be well to let him have Athalia; She will help to keep vigor in the new race, which would stop reproducing in another few generations without the injection of dark-aged blood. Do you want to bring more creatures like Adam into the world? Northwood flung at him. You have tampered with life enough, Dr. Mudson. But although Adam has my sympathy, I'm not willing to turn Athalia over to him. Well said. Now, come to the laboratory for chemical nourishment and rest under the life ray. They went to the great circular building, from whose highest tower issued the golden radiance that shamed the light of the sun, hanging low in the northeast john northwood said dr mudson with that laboratory which is the center of all life in new eden we'll have to whip adam he gave us what he called a sporting chance because he knew that he is able to send us and all humankind to a doom more terrible than hell even now we might be entering some hideous trap that he has set for us They entered by a side entrance, and went immediately to what Dr. Mudson called the rest ward. Here in a large room were ranged rows of cots, on many of which lay men basking in the deep orange flood of light, which poured from individual lamps set above each cot. "'It is the life ray,' said Dr. Mudson reverently, "'the source of all growth and restoration in nature. It is the power that bursts open the seed,' and brings forth the shoot that increases the shoot into a giant tree. It is the same power that enables the fertilized ovum to develop into an animal. It creates and recreates cells almost instantly. Accordingly, it is the perfect substitute for sleep. Stretch out, enjoy its power, and while you rest, eat these nourishing tablets. Northwood lay on a cart and Dr. Mudson turned the life ray on him. For a few minutes, a delicious drowsiness fell upon him, producing a spell of perfect peace, which the cells of his being seemed to drink in. For another delirious, fleeting space, every inch of him vibrated with a thrilling sensation of freshness. He took a deep, ecstatic breath and opened his eyes. Enough, said Dr. Mudson, switching off the ray. After three minutes of rejuvenation, you are commencing again with perfect cells. All ravages from disease and wear have been corrected. Northwood leaped up joyously. His handsome eyes sparkled. His skin glowed. I feel great. Never felt so good since I was a kid. A pleased grin spread over the scientist's homely face. See what my discovery will mean to the world? In the future, we shall all go to the laboratory for recuperation and nourishment. We'll have almost 24 hours a day for work and play. He stretched out on the bed contentedly. Someday, when my work is nearly done, I shall permit the life ray to cure my humped back. Why not now? Dr. Mudson sighed. If I were perfect, I should cease to be so overwhelmingly conscious of the importance of perfection. He settled back to enjoyment of the life ray. A few minutes later, he jumped up, alert as a boy. Ah, that's fine. Now I'll show you how the life ray speeds up development and produces four generations of human in one year. With restored energy, Northwood began thinking of Athalia. As he followed Dr. Munson down a long corridor, he yearned to see her again, to be certain that she was safe. Once he imagined he felt a gentle, soft-fleshed touch against his hand, and was disappointed not to see her walking by his side. Was she with him? Unseen? The thought was sweet. Before Dr. Munson opened the massive bronze door at the end of the corridor, he said, Don't be surprised or shocked over anything you see here, John Northwood. This is the baby laboratory. They entered a room which seemed no different from a hospital ward. On little beds lay naked children of various sizes, perfect, solemn-eyed youngsters, and older children, as beautiful as animated statues. Above each bed was a small life ray projector. A white-capped nurse went from bed to bed. They are recuperating from the daily educational period, said the scientist. After a few minutes of this, they will go into the growing room, which I shall have to show you through a window. Should you and I enter, (laughs) we might be changed in a most extraordinary manner. He laughed mischievously. But look, Northwood. He slid back a panel on the wall, and Northwood peered in through a thick pane of glass. The room was really an immense outdoor arena, its only carpet, the fine-bladed grass, its roof, the blue sky cut in the middle by an enormous disk from which shot the aurora of trapped sunshine which made a golden umbrella over the valley. Through openings in the bottom of the disk, poured a fine rain of rays, which fell consistently upon groups of children, youths, and young girls, all clad in the merest scraps of clothing. Some were dancing, others were playing games, but all seemed as supremely happy as the birds and butterflies, which fluttered about the shrubs and flowers edging the arena. I don't expect you to believe, said Dr. Mudson, that the oldest young man in there is three months old. You cannot see visible changes in a body which grows as slowly as the human being, whose normal period of development is 20 years or more. But I can give you visible proof of how fast growth takes place under the full power of the life ray. Plant life, which, even when left to nature, often develops from seed to flower within a few weeks or months, can be seen making its miraculous changes under the life ray. Watch those gorgeous purple flowers over which the butterflies are hovering. Northwood followed his pointing finger. Near the glass window through which they looked grew an enormous bank of resplendent violet colored flowers, which literally enshrouded the entire bush with their royal glory. At first glance, it seemed as though a violent wind were snatching at flower and brush. But closer inspection proved that the agitation was part of the plant itself. And then he saw that the movements were the result of perpetual composition and growth. He fastened his eyes on one huge bud. He saw it swell, burst, spread out its passionate purple velvet, lift the broad flower face to the light for a joyous minute. A few seconds later, a butterfly lighted airily to sample its nectar and to brush the pollen from its yellow dusted wings. Scarcely had the wing visitor flown away that the purple petals began to weather and fall away, leaving the seed pod on the stem. The visible change went on in this seed pod. It turned rapidly brown, dried out, and then sent the released seeds in a shower to the rich black earth below. Scarcely had the seeds touched the ground that they sent up tiny green shoots that grew larger each moment. Within ten minutes there was a new plant, a foot high. Within half an hour, the plant had budded, blossomed, and cast forth its own seed. You understand? asked the scientist. Development is going on as rapidly among the children. Before the first year has passed, the youngest baby will have grandchildren. That is, if the baby tests out fit to pass its seed down to the next generation. I know it sounds absurd. Yet you saw the plant. But, Doctor, Northwood rubbed his jaw thoughtfully. Nature's forces of destruction, of tearing down, are as powerful as her creative powers. You have discovered the ultimate in creation and upbuilding. But perhaps... Oh, Lord, it's too awful to think. Speak, Northwood. The scientist's voice was impatient. Uh, It is nothing. Northwood attempted a smile. I was only imagining some of the horror that could be thrust on the world if a supermind like Adam should discover nature's secret of death and destruction and speed it up as you have sped up the life force. I got... Dr. Mudson's face was white. He has his own laboratory where he works every day. Don't talk so loud. He might be listening. And I believe he can do anything he sets out to accomplish. Close to Northwood's ear fell a faint, triumphant whisper. Yes, he can do anything. How did you you guess, guess? worm? It was Adam's voice. Now, come and see the laden jaw, mothers said Dr. Mudson, We do not wait for the child to be born to start our work. He took Northwood to a laboratory crowded with strange apparatus where the young men and women worked. Northwood knew instantly that these people, although unusually handsome and strong, were not of Adam's generation. None of them had that look of newness which marked those who had grown up under the life ray. "'They are the perfect couples whom I combed the world to find,' said the scientist. "'From their eugenic marriages sprang the first children that passed through the laboratory. "'I had hoped,' he hesitated and looked sideways at Northwood. "'I had dreamed of having the children of you and Athalia to help strengthen the new race.' A wave of sudden disgust passed over Northwood. Thanks, he said tartly. When I marry Athalia, I intend to have an old-fashioned home and a dark age family. I don't relish having my children turned into experiments. But wait until you see all the wonders of the laboratory. That is why I am showing you all of this. Northwood drew his handkerchief and mopped his brow. It sickens me, Doctor. The more I see, the more pity I have for Adam, and the less I blame him for his rebellion and his desire to kill and rule. Heavens, what a terrible thing you have done, experimenting with human life. Nonsense! Can you say that all life, all matter, is not the result of scientific experiment? Can you? His gaze made Northwood uncomfortable. Buck up, young friend, for now I am going to show you a marvelous improvement on nature's bungling ways. The laden-jaw mother. He raised his voice and called. Lilith. The woman whom they had met on the field came forward. May we take a peep at Lona's twins, asked the scientist. They are about ready to go into the growing dome, are they not? In five more minutes, said the woman come see. She lifted one of the black velvet curtains that lined the entire side of the laboratory, and thereby disclosed a globular jar of glass and metal, connected by wires to a dynamo. Above the jar was a life ray projector. Lilith slid aside a metal portion of the jar, disclosing through the glass underneath the squirming, kicking body of a baby, resting on a bed of soft, spongy substance to which it was connected by the navel cord. The laden jar mother, said Dr. Mudson. It is the dream of a scientist realized. The human mother's body does nothing but nourish and protect her unborn child, a job which science can do better. And so in New Eden, we take the young embryo and place it in the laden jar mother, where the life ray, electricity, and chemical food shortens the period of gestation to just a few days. At that moment, a bell under the laden jar began to ring. Dr. Mudson uncovered the jar and lifted out the child, a beautiful, perfectly formed boy who began to cry lustily. Here is one baby who will never be kissed, he said. He'll be nourished chemically, and at the end of the week, will no longer be a baby. If you are patient, you can actually see the process of development taking place under the life ray, for babies develop very fast. Northwood buried his face in his hands. Lord, this is awful. No childhood, no mother to mold his mind, no parents to watch over him, to give him their tender care. Awful fiddlesticks. Come see how children get their education, how they learn to use their hands and feet so they need not pass through the awkwardness of childhood. He led Northwood to a magnificent building whose facade of white marble was as simply beautiful as a Greek temple. The side walls, built almost entirely of glass, permitted the synthetic sunshine to sweep from end to end. They first entered a library where youths and girls pored over books of all kinds. Their manner of reading mystified Northwood. With a single sweep of the eye, they seemed to devour a page and then turned to the next. He stepped closer to peer over the shoulder of a beautiful girl. She was reading Euclid's Elements of Geometry, in Latin, and she turned the pages as swiftly as the other girl occupying her table, who was devouring Paradise Lost. Dr. Mudson whispered to him, If you do not believe that Ruth here is getting her Euclid, which she probably never saw before today, examine her from the book. That is, if you are a good enough Latin scholar. Ruth stopped her reading and talked to him, and, in a few minutes, had completely dumbfounded him with her pedantic replies, which fell from lips as luscious and unformed as an infant's. Now, said Dr. Mudson, test Rachel on her Milton. As far as she has read, she should not misquote a single line, and her comments will probably prove her scholarly appreciation of Milton. Word for word, Rachel was able to give him Paradise Lost from memory, except the last four pages, which she had not read yet. Then, taking the book from him, She swept her eyes over these pages, returned the book to him, and quoted copiously and correctly. Dr. Mudson gloated triumphantly over his astonishment. There, my friend, could you now be satisfied with old-fashioned children who spend long, expensive years in getting an education? Of course, your children will not have the perfect brains of these. Yet. Developed under the life ray, they should have splendid mentality. These children have brains that make everlasting records, instantly. A page in a book, once seen, is indelibly retained by them and understood. The same is true of a lecture, of an explanation given by a teacher, even of idle conversation. Any man or woman in this room should be able to repeat the most trivial conversation days old. But what of the arts, Dr. Mudson? Surely even your supermen and women cannot instantly learn to paint a masterpiece or to guide their fingers and their brains through the intricacies of a difficult musical composition. No? His eyes glowed. Come see. Before they entered another wing of the building, they heard a violin being played masterfully. Dr. Munson paused at the door. So that you may understand what you shall see, let me remind you that the nerve impulses and the coordinating means in the human body are purely electrical. The world has not yet accepted my theory, but it will. Under Superman's system of education, the instantaneous records made on the brain give immediate skill to the acting parts of the body. Accordingly, musicians are made overnight." He threw open the door. Under a life ray projector a beautiful Junoesque woman was playing a violin. Facing her and with eyes fastened to hers stood a young man, whose arms and slender fingers mimicked every motion she made. Presently she stopped playing and handed the violin to him. In her own masterly manner, he repeated the score she had played. That is Eve, whispered Dr. Mudson. I had selected her as Adam's wife. But he does not want her. The most brilliant woman of the new race. Northwood gave the woman an apprising look. Who wants a perfect woman? I don't blame Adam for preferring Athalia. But how is she teaching her pupil? Through thought vibration which these perfect people have developed until they can record permanently the radioactive waves of the brains of others. Eve turned, caught Northwood's eyes in her magnetic gaze, and smiled as only a goddess can smile upon a mortal she has marked as her own. She came toward him with outflung hands. So, you have come, her vibrant contralto voice, like Adam's, held the bird-like, broken tremulo of a young child's. I have been waiting for you, John Northwood. Her eyes, as blue and icy as Adam's, lingered long on him until he flinched from their steely magnetism. She slipped her arm through his and drew him gently but firmly from the room while Dr. Mudson stood gaping after them. You have been listening to the Auditory Entertainment's production of Creatures of the Light Written by Sophie Winsel Ellis Performed by Miranda Johnson Part 4, the conclusion, coming soon If you have enjoyed this performance, please subscribe, leave a comment, or a review Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram Just search for Auditory Entertainment's